Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 226 of the Naturally Nourished Podcast. Today you are joining us for a spicy episode one week prior to Valentine's Day, and we'll be talking all about boosting your libido as well as aphrodisiac foods. Yes, I am excited to cover this topic because honestly, we can all benefit from a boosted libido. And I'm also down to have a step away from our typically nerdy content to have a fun conversation that might make us blush a little bit, Becky, but maybe not as much as some of our past episodes. (laughs) Um, One that comes to mind is episode 175. I know it's the same one you're thinking about. It was. Let's talk about (laughs) sex with Susan Bratton. There was a lot in that one, so if you want to blush, that's the one to listen to. And then also in episode 123, we covered libido and getting your sexy back with Dr. Annika Becca. And way back in episode 71, we did an intro episode on aphrodisiac foods. And then do we have any updates before we... Get, get into, into today. Get spicy. Yeah. Um, let's see. So coming a week before Valentine's Day here, we are not open enrollment right now for our keto class. That is off and running. We're entering into the second month of that group. So we close after the first month. Um, if you would like to stay on top of when we offer our next group and be the first one to know, make sure that you do sign up for our newsletter. We did a really cool promo uh, two weeks ago on Super Turmeric. I'm not sure if you saw it on Instagram, but we will be doing monthly specials for just our newsletter subscribers. So that's a great way to get more intimate information, ooh, intimate, (laughs) on our uh, supplement line, as well as staying abreast of research and cutting edge scientific intervention with food as medicine. And that's where we give you exclusive discounts and savings. So you can sign up for our newsletter through the link on today's episode, or you can just go over to AllieMillerRD.com. And at the bottom, there's a section where you can sign up for our newsletter. And when you do that through our website, you also get a two-week functional food or food as medicine inspired meal plan with information all about functional medicine. And then we should probably, before we dive into today, talk about our YouTube channel. So we actually do have, um, and I'm sure it's gone out around the same time as this um, this video, um, we do have a couple of episodes on uh, aphrodisiacs and boosting your libido, which I think are going to be really, really fun ones. Um, we just did a really fun uh, Jillian Michaels rebuttal that we're making into a two-part series. What are some of your other big favorite all-time YouTube videos? Oh, well, I mean, I just think that the content's really helpful, the kind of bite-sized information that we've mm-hmm. had out there. So we've really thoroughly covered all things gut, from food sensitivity to leaky gut to navigating your MRT results and so much more. And now we're moving into kind of the mood, hormone, keto, intermittent fasting space. So for those of you loyal listeners, we're always open to take uh, ideas or areas of need. So definitely you can always shoot us a 
comment on our social or reply to our newsletter if you get that and let us know something that you want to see. And we so appreciate when you comment and share our videos if it's something that was helpful. I know that our keto pitfalls was a big hit with a lot of the people in this round of our keto class. We covered six keto pitfalls and what's been fun is just giving that direct visual connection and um, also doing some of the recipe demos for you guys so i hope you're all loving it Um, definitely go on over to youtube naturally nourished and subscribe to our channel so you get those weekly free video releases yeah the spicy maca avocado mousse that's the recipe i was trying to think of connected to today's episode i'm sure we'll talk about all of those foods but that's a really good one in pairing with what we're going to talk about today Yes. And today we don't have an opener sponsor. We have a mid-roll sponsor, NutriSense, which we'll get to halfway through this episode. But I do want to call out as our Self's Naturally Nourished Supplement line, uh, we will be featuring different formulas as we do in most episodes that aid in optimal health, balancing hormones. And in today's episode, we'll be talking about modifying stress impact and different compounds that aid in vasodilation. And, you know, when things get dilated, there's more sensation and all of the things. Um, And so I want to just call out on the forefront that naturally nourished supplements provide potency, efficacy, and are so competitively priced. We have scoured the internet and all the functional medicine space to ensure that our formulas are very competitive, often three to five percent below a price point of a competing formula. And just thinking in light of super turmeric as an example, one of the elements that we shared is that it has higher potency as well as bioavailability. So when you're comparing another turmeric supplement, often they're just giving the milligrams or the weight of the curcuminoids in the root, but not demonstrating or providing the percent of standardization of the density of curcuminoids. So, you know, that root itself might have five to 7% curcuminoids, whereas the curcuminoid concentration in our formula actually goes into 90%. So you're getting a dynamic impact there. And it's not just kind of uh, apples to apples when you're comparing milligrams, you have to look at that standardization of concentration. And then taking it further, we even shared information of our super turmeric because of its unique um, technology of how we aid in the emulsification of the turmeric oil with those curcuminoids, there's been studies looking at the tetrahydrocurcuminoids or the really bioactive compounds through the metabolic process in comparison the Mariva, which is a compound that like, for instance, Thorn is a company that uses the Mariva. I think Pure Encapsulations uses the Biopurine formula option. And uh, we did compare our super turmeric to both of those standardizations, and there was substantially increased bioavailability and production of that disease-fighting compound. So we're just super excited to share with you guys the supplements that we use personally within our households and provide to all of our friends and family members and have been using in the Naturally Nourished Clinic for over a decade plus. And now you can access all of these at AllieMillerRD.com. When you go on our site, you can also click on the Learn tab. And under the Learn tab is where you can find protocols that we're continuing to develop more and more. And there also is a quiz where you can learn about best formulas that would fit for you. Yes. All right. Let's get into boosting your libido. And maybe before we get there, let's just talk a little bit about the health benefits of sex and why it's important to maintain you know, an active sex life. 
Yeah, most definitely. So there are inflammatory, immune regulating, and oxidative st- stress reducing mechanisms of sex. So we can see on the immune function, we can see impact on secretory IgA, which regulates our immunoglobulins and really regulates our mucosal membranes. That, so from our respiratory tract to our gut and our sexual membranes and beyond. We can see as a form of exercise, uh, both muscle tone, so we can see a lot of benefit for women in the sense of like pelvic floor, which can help with urinary incontinence with age. We can even see lowering blood pressure as a form of exercise, and orgasm can really provide those dynamic endorphins that can relieve pain. We can see a healthy level of estrogen and testosterone from individuals that regularly participate in sex. We can see enhanced sleep and stress release. We can see surges of oxytocin, which is that connection bliss um, and anti-anxiety neurotransmitter impact and can help with also hormone connection. We can see reductions in depression and anxiety. And then, especially for sex with a partner, we can definitely see it solidifying our relationship and giving refuge, you know, creating that joint safe space or activity way to just fully release and be vulnerable and let down your guard and feel seen and heard and connected. Um, And I think especially now, you know, as we're a year plus into a pandemic and the ideas of Uh, social isolation and social distancing and all of these barriers that kind of disconnect us, I think it's even more important that we take pause to focus on where we can overcompensate with intimacy and connection with our our loved one, our partner, um, and, you know, maybe even within ourselves if we're feeling in a place of repressed and and isolation. And um, I would also note that as I was looking into some research for today's episode, I think that the population, like as Becky's and as, as Becky and I are sharing, you know, we've had different lengths of relationships, and we always, I think, as individuals, have these recalibrations with our partners and whatnot. Um, but it's always good to kind of check in on where you're at. And the times that I see biggest area as a functional medicine practitioner is in that like perimenopausal and menopausal phase, um, because, you know, there actually are life extending and anti-aging benefits to sex, even including things that seem disconnected like osteoporosis, because with healthy sexual function and activity, we maintain healthy estrogen, we maintain muscle tone, and um, some of the hormetic changes that occur can actually support, you know, bone health. And then we can see heart disease reduction, immune function, a huge myriad of benefits. So, so cool. And I know personally, you know, sex drive and habits or frequency can kind of shift by season and sometimes falls out of routine, especially if you just had a baby. I was say, you're um, in a recalibration <laughs> mode right now. Yeah. 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 Um, but by the end of today's episode, we'll definitely provide, you know, lots of tips for um, supporting keeping sex on the menu or as a regular activity for you and your partner or yourself. Yeah. I think it's worth noting or hitting on the impact of, you know, even within yourself, you can still get a lot of the benefits. Like you can still get that, you know, endorphin pain management, anti-inflammatory, as I mentioned, pelvic floor, really anytime. I mean, Kegels, 
are essentially what is activated or should be played with and activated with within sexual uh, relationships and um, really aiding in that activation in the uterine tone is even influential. We've seen studies on women with regulating their menstrual cycle, reducing menstrual cramps, um, and the neuromuscular benefits can be quite broad. So doing the deed... (laughs) Is a good thing, right? Yes. Um, and I know all too often it can be kind of intimidating, uncomfortable, just another thing to like do or check off when we're burned out and tired or kind of the, the kind of thing where it's like the longer it's been, the harder it is to get back into that place and If you and, don't use it, you lose yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so let's just share kind of how we approach libido and sexual function from a functional medicine approach and talk a little bit on some food as medicine and supplement supports, maybe starting with stress reduction. Yeah. You know, I would break down as far as addressing low libido in three areas of focus. So I would look at stress management or stress reduction, hormone imbalance, and then nutrient deficiencies. And so like we say with functional medicine, it's not always in this order of operation. Someone might have a higher influence of nutrient deficiency and another may have more of stress as a highlight or hormone uh, focus imbalance or not enough testosterone, for instance. And um, we're going to want to understand which each individual's Achilles heel is per se. But as a broad spectrum, really focusing on these areas is a great way to ensure that you have a healthy, robust libido. And one of the most important things is that stress is just not sexy, you know? (laughs) Stress is wired with survival. And yes, um, you know, having sex is a part of that survival response. Um, You know, we think of like, fighting. I've heard people say effing and fleeing. (laughs) Those are the threes. And you know what the other one is, right? Um, As those primary like innate survival influences. But honestly, clinically, I've seen for individuals that are under higher fight or flight mode that that other F tends to fall off the menu, actually. You know, we see influxes of cortisol that can be four times the output of a parasympathetic or regulated state. Um, We can also see imbalance in the norepinephrine and epinephrine uh, threshold or balance in the body we can see depletion of serotonin and dopamine and then you know that can play a role with driving depression or higher levels of anxiety which can then make us not feel secure and it's important both actually for men and women not just a female thing for everyone to feel secure to feel sexual and there's a difference of feeling sexual and sensual you know than just quote unquote doing the deed per se um, so it's really important to regulate our cortisol levels because cortisol over time can actually interfere with our sex hormones directly. So cortisol can lower progesterone in women. We can see this cortisol steal, if you will, where the body converts that fertility progesterone hormone into cortisol itself, and then that can drive estrogen dominance, dominance in the individual. We can also see with men through transition of andropause where testosterone levels go down over time and male estrogen levels get excess. And we can see this occurring, especially if the male is dealing with liver insufficiency or doesn't have healthy detoxification support um, because their body fat cells themselves 
your adipose sites actually are estrogenic. So in men or women holding excess body fat, we know cortisol drives belly fat production and especially that visceral adipose tissue, which is the higher disease risk factor, but that also then can perpetuate an imbalance of sex hormone. And we see often with individuals that have been under chronic stress, maybe their cortisol was elevated at a time, but now it's depleted and burned out. And there's a fine balance. You know, we think of adrenaline, also made by the adrenals, your epinephrine, as like, you know, reward seeking, driving a car fast, um, a little bit of like that, like butterfly effect of, you know, like, ooh, John touched me in the hallway and, you know, whatever. And so some of that anticipatory, excitatory stress response can be positive for libido. And after chronic fight or flight demands, that gets depleted. And then we get in a really flat affect where we don't have that stimulation or that surge or that feel good chemical output. Totally. I see all the time with adrenal fatigue and burnout that libido is often impacted and also with low DHEA for both men and women. Yeah. So, you know, DHEA is also made by the adrenals and sometimes cortisol metabolism is okay, but over age, DHEA tends to decline and this can impact things like brain fog. This can impact muscle tone because DHEA is a precursor to actually make estrogen or testosterone. So this can accelerate the aging process in both women and men. And we do see that low DHEA driving low libido as well. Okay. And then in terms of kind of, maybe let's get into some supplement support. I know we promised we wouldn't get like super nerdy today. Right. So we'll try to keep it fun. But um, yeah, but, this is a good one, I think yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Adaptogens are so powerful. I mean, because I th- the thing that I love about adaptogens is this is where I'd always start for the stress story because adaptogens can help you if you're stressed and tired or if you're stressed and wired. So if you don't want to invest in testing or to really understand at what level of that over or under output you're at, adaptogens are going to be a beautiful thing to help to regulate your stress response. And also adaptogens have a acute or kind of an immediate influence on your stress response in the day or the times that you're taking it. So it can, you know, chronically or comprehensively regulate the stress cycle or the stress feedback mechanisms, but then also as you're using adaptogens, it can aid with clear uh, thought processes. It can aid with stress-induced fatigue or regulating your energy levels. It can support resilience so you're not going into those adrenal glands as readily and spilling that excess cortisol. So the kind of first line of defense I would bring in is our adaptogen boost. And there's three really powerful ingredients in here. Um, cordyceps, rhodiola, and panax ginseng. And cordyceps have really fantastic outcomes with respiratory health and immune health and have been shown in some areas of study to look at fertility and really aiding and tonifying the body. But the two I want to nerd on a little bit more are the panax ginseng and the rhodiola. So ginseng itself is a vasodilator. It aids in bringing oxygenation to the brain, which can help with the cognitive benefits of ginseng and the energizing impact. But again, vasodilation means blood flow is going into your tissues, which means more stimulation, which means enhanced sexual function. So ginseng is a really good one for women and men to help with actual sexual performance beyond just that stress-regulating influence. 
And then rhodiola has been shown in studies to actually enhance fertility as well as aid in menstrual cycle regulation. There was a study I will link in today's episode on women that had amenorrhea or um, loss of menstrual cycle and were dealing with infertility. And they were treated with 100 milligrams of rhodiola twice daily for two weeks. So like super short intervention period. And 100 milligrams of rhodiola is what we have in two capsules or a serving size of our adaptogen boost. And um, they saw that normal menses were restored in greater than half of the participants within that short window of time. And more than a quarter of the participants became pregnant. It's pretty amazing and not like a mega dose, just two of our adaptogen boosts, which we put a lot of people on more than two capsules. Yeah. But you know, as you say that, Becky, it's funny because we did that episode or I guess they're not episodes in our YouTube video all about adaptogens. Mm -hmm. um, I'll definitely link that in today's notes as well, because we made those walnut maca caramels, which we can muse on maca Mm -hmm. in a moment. But what we note in there, which I think is important to note, is adaptogens are kind of becoming very sexy or buzzworthy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you'll find these proprietary formulas, right, right. which we're just not a fan of because a proprietary formula may list six, seven things, and it's going to be in order by weight. And so you might see the word rhodiola on a product, but I would really, if I'm looking for fertility enhancement and sexual function, I want to see a dosage on the label that is standardized and that has been shown in clinical outcomes to actually impact my body. Sure. Yep. <laughs> so I'm not yep. just like getting like sexy snake oil, you know? Right. Right. Oh, totally. That's that's an issue with a lot of these like moon dust or whatever that stuff is called. And, you know, it's all well and good and, and well-intentioned, I'm sure, but just not as potent. Right. Not going to get clinical effects per se. So maca is another adaptogen that I love that you can use in a supplement form or as a kind of food as a medicine tool. We use the powdered maca, which is that gelatinized uh, version. Uh, Gelatinized is going to aid in the bioavailability or the absorption of the root itself. It's a Peruvian root and has been shown um, really to be supportive in the world of PCOS also uh, playing a role with cycle regulation, aiding in FSH and LH because it tends to hit, it seems, the pituitary, which is the part of the brain that can stimulate ovarian function. The brain also in the pituitary is where we make that oxytocin and prolactin and a lot of these hormones that regulate the sex function as well as the stress function. And even in the postpartum breastfeeding and and, um, pregnancy and so much more. Um, So you may see that maca is connected to fertility or libido, and a lot of it is in that impact on that part of the brain. Um, About 500 milligrams, so a higher dosage is is generally required, even upwards of one to two grams a day. Um, So I've been using maca for the last couple years, and I generally, I kind of dabble with it, but I generally do about 500 milligrams twice a day, so I get a gram per day. All right. And then beyond that, probably another recommendation would be our our stress manager bundle, especially for those dealing with kind of the elevated stress piece of the puzzle versus the adrenal burnout. Yes. Yes. So if you know you're under fight or flight mode, you've taken on a new role, uh, you're homeschooling your children, Mm -hmm. (laughs) any of these things, especially if you're noticing within yourself that like overrunning brain space, um, that fight or flight chemical surge, or irritability and short fuse. And I think that that's really important to note because 
you know, especially for parents and or, you know, partners that have been together for a long time, you are your own people's like comfort, you know, so you tend to release frustration on each other. And I know that if I'm just having a really off day, I mean, Brady's really good at calling me out on it and being like, hey, man, what's going on? Like, can I can I get you something? Uh, you seem a little bitey. <laughs> and he's found a finesse way to be able to do it, where now sometimes he'll just slip me a gabacom and doesn't even have to say anything. <laughs> and that's like a really welcomed tool uh, because I find that there is sometimes I just chemically get into this overdrive mode and it doesn't matter what's happening. I'm just going to be kind of bitey. And I need that GABA to really aid in releasing the steam train valve <laughs> off the track. And then I'm able to like recalibrate. And ultimately, I feel better in my space. I feel like a more present mother. I feel more connected to my spouse and I am holding less anger, which is always a good thing because anger is not sexy either. No, and that's one that Byron and I have started using probably more so <laughs> as, as new, new parents. parents. Like, yeah. And I'll give it to him and give it to myself and like go into a separate room and wait that 10 to 15 minutes for it to kind of kick in. Um, but there are so many moments of, <laughs> of just like wanting to chew each other's heads off because um you know, we're sleep deprived tired and, tired and, yeah, and all the things, all of it. Yes. Um, and then stress management techniques, I think are really important here too. Yeah. And these are things that you could do some maybe with your partner and that can enhance also your intimacy in the bedroom as well as things that you can do on your own and still might help with your sexual performance. Like two that I think of are yoga and breath work. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, Yoga is fantastic because, of course, muscle tone and you're driving into that parasympathetic space. You're also aiding in being more limber or flexible um, and a little bit of that tension release stuff. I think that that really helps in um sexual performance as well as the breath work because supporting breath work is going to help with regulating orgasm for sure and so working breath work in like a uh, square breath where we are like in for four out for four or maybe even doing the four seven eight if we're feeling in a really high fight or flight mode where we're inhaling for four holding for seven and whooshing out for eight that's what i really talk about in the anti-anxiety diet um, I think both of those can be very synergistic techniques that you can use in different applications, you know, um, in the bedroom versus uh, in a stress management space. And then I, I so believe so strongly in mantra and perspective refocus. So whether this is actually pausing and downloading what's in your mental space, like just literally the words of like, I feel so overwhelmed, um, I... I don't know how I'm going to get everything done that I need to. You know, that's an example, like overwhelmed, circulating thought. Um, when you can shift perspective and refocus into a space where you can maintain ownership in your life, even maybe the same scenario will just feel less stressful. You'll feel less overwhelmed, less victimized, especially if you can rewrite it from a negative neutral into positive. So there's like three steps in that leap. Um, but for moving from the negative to neutral of, I have a lot of things to do. I will accomplish what I can. I am only one person, right? Like that's a neutral. And then there's like the positive perspective of like, I'm so blessed to have the access of all of these mm -hmm. things. I love my work. I love my family and I am overfilled <laughs> in my day-to-day -day function, you know? So there's, there's different steps in this process, but I really find that 
that helps me in my demeanor. It helps me to feel um, just a sense of positivity, which even if it is stress, I see it as a you stress, as something that I can go grab, you know, the day by the horns or however you want to put in the phrase. <laughs> I just I just feel empowered by my day-to-day function and the stress doesn't feel like something I can't control. Totally. Um, and back to the breath work, I've started assigning the um, Zach bush nitric oxide exercises actually especially to my male population like when dealing with ed and things like that to help to increase oxygenation so that could be a form of breath work as well as well as stress management both yeah and um i love that we'll put that in the link and then i would say dance of course as well i mean just feeling more connected and in your body likely is going to help you to feel better in your body through sex and so if you feel more sensual, if you're doing hip circles, if you are, you know, wiping off the table, if you will, one of the moves or like, you know, we will say like hands down the wall where we're basically going in like a squat position with our hands uh, perpendicular to the floor and like washing down, there's different movements that I know call out my divine femininity and make me feel more sensual as a person and when I can channel myself in that space I'm going to have a much better time in the bedroom totally I think Dr. Deb is is a guru with all of those things for sure so we'll link that too we will yes um okay so in the world of of just hormone balance and libido um really here we're looking at supporting ample testosterone both women and men um and ensuring healthy metabolism of estrogen or preventing that estrogen dominance. Most definitely. So, you know, testosterone is more of the star of the show when we're talking about libido or sex performance. And we think of low testosterone, again, connecting with increased body fat because relatively we can see more estrogen expression with those body fat cells circulating more estrogen in the body Uh, we can also see lower testosterone when the individual has sarcopenia or muscle loss so this occurs naturally in the aging process which is why it's really important to maintain lean body mass through ample protein intake as well as through doing resistance training And the low testosterone can also drive lack of energy, vigor, so it can directly impact libido as well as actual hormonally sexual function. And one thing that I think is really important to note in the world of testosterone that just is not discussed enough is the connection of vitamin D. So there has been a solid amount of medical literature looking at vitamin D deficiency and low testosterone status in men And they've done double-blind randomized clinical trials where they have um, supplemented with vitamin D. This one in particular I will link in our show notes. They used uh, 3,000, or really random, um, 3,332 IUs of vitamin D. I know, right? I don't know. Um, (laughs) For a year. And um, they saw that in those men, their vitamin D status did improve. So they went um, above the 50 uh, nanomoles per liter when they supplemented with that 3,000 plus IUs a day. Um, And they also saw compared to the individuals that were using a placebo, the ones that were supplementing with vitamin D had a significant increase in total testosterone levels, as well as bioactive testosterone and free testosterone levels. So, you know, the first thing I would say before trying any of these 
like uh, <laughs> buzzworthy uh, herbs or, you know, <laughs> across the board, there's so much interesting things you'll find in the world of erectile dysfunction or testosterone levels. I think vitamin D is just one of the most important pro-hormones for so many mechanisms. You know, it aids in insulin sensitivity. It aids in thyroid support, which aids in metabolism. So that could help with the body fat you're holding that's bringing down your testosterone. It's also going to directly on its own mechanism enhance testosterone expression um, as well as production. It's going to also support immune function, function as an antidepressant, which will keep the mood stabilized, which will support libido. So I really think that's an important one to check in on. And we've even seen in women, um, women that have an optimal vitamin D level, four times more likely to get pregnant through IVF compared to those that have low vitamin D levels. We've even seen in additional studies that sperm quality has been seen to increase with optimized vitamin D levels. So in the world of baby making and doing the deed, I think vitamin D is really important and I don't think discussed enough. No, and and really a safe bet versus some of the alternatives out there that you might find on a a Google search. Do your antler or something. Yeah, Yeah, or goat (laughs) testicles powder whatever. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, and, and I mean, again, because of the mechanisms of action that are so broad, vitamin D just can't be harped on enough as far as an important supplement essential. So I do recommend with supplemental use of vitamin D, at least assessing your vitamin D status annually, if not semi-annually, especially if your levels were low, you increased your supplement to ensure you are in range or they were in the upper range and you reduced to ensure you're back on track. Um, we will link in today's show notes the option to do the vitamin D spot test. Um, I believe it's $70. If not, it's within $5 of that or $10 of that. Um, And it's something that you can order direct to your house and you can just lance at your finger, tab it on the, um, you know, substance for testing, mail that in so you don't even have to go to get a blood draw. And that's a great way to make sure that you're staying within that 50 to 100 is the ideal range for vitamin D for not just libido, not just testosterone, for truly whole body health. I just ordered that test actually for Byron and myself and for Noah at our pediatrician's recommendation. She's like, let's just see where he's at since you're supplementing yourself and him. So um, I haven't done it yet, but (laughs) I'm sure it is simple and mostly painless. Yes. So I want to just mention on the vitamin D, let's talk about Becky, the vitamin D balance blend and what sets it apart and maybe the liquid and capsule options. And then there's more on testosterone. (laughs) Yep. So our vitamin D balance blend now comes in a capsule and a liquid form. Um, The liquid we really brought about more so for children, but also anyone who needs more of kind of a sliding scale of dosage, or maybe your levels have been tested to be, you know, within the optimal range. And we just need two to 3000 IU instead of the full 5000 IU uh, daily. But our vitamin D balance blend, whether it's the liquid or or the capsule form is going to pair with um, vitamin D with K1 and K2. So that's going to aid in our absorption of vitamin D, and it's also going to prevent calcification of our soft tissues, which can be a problem if you're doing vitamin D just kind of off the shelf from the drugstore, you know, or from who knows where, um, ongoing. So that's, that's a big one, especially if you're going to be on vitamin D, you know, long-term, which a lot of us just tend to run really deficient or we're not getting outside enough. Um, and we can get into the danger zone with, you know, arterial calcification and kidney stones and things like that if we don't have ample K. 
Yes. So that's why we always recommend with supplementation of D to have that K1, K2 matrix, which is what makes our vitamin D that part called balanced blend, Mm -hmm. (laughs) as you said. And so, yes, uh, you know, the liquid is really flexible. It's 2000 IUs of vitamin D per ml, whereas the capsule is 5000 IUs per capsule. Uh, I've talked to parents as far as dosing. We do have it from infancy all the way up through weight. And so you can dose dependent. And, you know, it's important to note that vitamin D is fat soluble. So you could also dose it once a week. So we do have recommendations, you know, again, from infancy on. And it'll note either multiple times a week or per day. And if it's easier for you to just do it once a week, you can always, you know, multiply by seven and do it that way. So I've been telling moms that, you know, maybe some of them have adversions to doing the liquid or something like that, that you could just put that whole dosage of a week in like a little bit of yogurt, um, something that ideally has some texture. I wouldn't just put it in water per se, um, but something that has some fat and some texture would be a great way to get it in. And that would be absolutely fine. That's actually a really good point. I hadn't thought of doing it that way. Yeah. Um, All right. So now on vitamin, uh, not vitamin D, testosterone boosting food. So eggs are huge because we actually want you to have cholesterol, right? Cholesterol is a part of the building block to produce sex hormones. So eggs are fantastic delivery there. We're also getting choline, which is fantastic for our neurotransmitters and our brain function. There's omega-3 fatty acids, vitamin D in the yolk as well, and a lot of B vitamins. And so these would be a fantastic food to get. About 12 to 16 eggs a week would be a great way to support testosterone. And tropical fruits would be another area of focus. And these could be paired with our grass-fed whey. So again, protein is really essential to support that ideal muscle. And muscle is a secondary tissue for men as far as testosterone production and the primary tissue for women in testosterone production. So we do need ample both grams of protein per day, but if we're going to make a protein shake, we may want to consider adding in maybe half of a frozen banana or some mango or papaya or pineapple because we're looking for an enzyme called bromelain or bromelain, some say, I say bromelain, Um, and it has been shown in clinical studies to help to boost testosterone levels. So this would be something where you could do maybe a little bit of full-fat coconut milk or almond milk as the base, some leafy greens, could throw in some ginger or turmeric, maybe an anti-inflammatory root in there, and uh, then maybe a half cup of frozen mango and potentially even still a half of a banana depending on your carbohydrate threshold. I just keep thinking, is that a banana in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that, wait, we'll get to the aphrodisiacs yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's yep. that like shape thing. Yeah. <laughs> Phallic area. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, let's also be on testosterone um, in the world of hormones hit on um, too much estrogen. So, you know, I think we probably need to revisit like a whole episode on estrogen dominance because it's been some time. Yeah, Um, yeah. But let's just hit highlights of regulating estrogen metabolism. Yeah, so, you know, too much estrogen in women or men can kind of make us feel flabby or, um, again, kind of opposing the testosterone function. And so we think of estrogen connected with body fat, but we also think of it connected with toxins or additives. So one of the sources of estrogen that's getting higher and higher because it's making its way into our water system 
is xenoestrogens or synthetic estrogens from plastics. So this is where you'll always see Becky and I drinking out of glass or stainless steel. Uh, we both actually use the same spring water, which would be you know free of those plastics in them and also are in a glass globe. It's um, the Mountain Valley spring water. Is it from Missouri, like the Ozarks or something? I don't Maybe. even know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll link it. You guys can check it out. You guys are always asking me about my water. I should be more informed, but it is delightful. It's spring water. And so the mineralization is fantastic. And of course, then we're not getting like the chlorine and the treatment that you'll get in, in your city water, even if you're using a filter in your household and it removes some of that, the spring water just has a really nice composition. So you don't have to then remineralize after using mm-hmm. a filter of sort. Um, so that's usually, I, I believe, really the gold standard and optimal water choice. But then again, your container that you're drinking it in is really important. So going for the stainless steel or the glass as your water bottles would be key as well. Um, preventing endocrine disruptors as a whole. So we think of this like our phthalates, our pesticides, our perfumes, so stabilizers and fillers and products. Um, and even in the agricultural um, environment, the runoff from crop chemicals and pesticides. And then even in the ranch world of agriculture, the hormones that are used in the growth hormone process. So this could be in the dairy or in you know beef production or any form of like a COFA, confined animal farm operation is gonna put out a lot of that hormone into the groundwater and also into their meat products. So being especially mindful in foods that have fat because that excess hormone is sequestered in the fat. So making sure all your dairy sources are RGHB free and even so still acknowledging that dairy itself is estrogenic. So if you are someone that runs high estrogen, that might be a category that you'd want to remove from the diet. And the last one I'd mention is the phytoestrogens or plant mimicking estrogenic compounds, which we see highly in the soy world, which if we're eating any processed food, you know, it's pretty impossible to avoid soy as an ingredient. It's going to be in most processed products. Totally. And I'm just thinking back, we do have an episode on endocrine disruptors. That's not too far, but well, it might be in like the one, maybe like 115, 117, somewhere around that. I'll link that in our our show notes. Um, But that would be a good one for just kind of getting started on this world of like, what can I remove in my immediate environment? that might be disrupting hormones. Right. And we're, you know, a week into February. So if you guys missed the opportunity to do a 10-day detox between, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas or Hanukkah, I I tend to do one in that window. And I know I shared it with a lot of my audience and some of you participated. Um, And or if you didn't do a January reboot with a 10-day detox, then this is your call to action. (laughs) And that might be a really cool thing to do with your partner. Um, We have a friend right now doing one with her spouse. And it's just a fun way to stay, again, goal-oriented and on the same journey Mm -hmm. with your loved one. And, um, you know, if you're eating clean and you're feeling awesome in your bodies, that could be another way to pick up the ritual of bringing sex back on the menu. Totally, totally. (laughs) Um, And then in the world of balancing hormones, also supporting progesterone deficiency would be important to this world of estrogen dominance, right? 
Yeah, so like I said, cortisol can get in there and take away from progesterone. And progesterone levels, when they get too low, we can see increased body fluid or holding fluid on the body because progesterone itself is like a diuretic. So we can see fluid retention. We can see loss of appetite. We can see lower libido. And um, we can also see an impact on sexual function as well as, of course, fertility. We think of progesterone deficiency as being one of the main causes of miscarriage or um, issues with uh, implantation of a fertilized egg. So um, progesterone is a really important one, and it can be seen in two sides. One would be to, to help with estrogen metabolism to bring the progesterone to the table. Um, so citrus actually has kind of a twofold factor. Citrus has phytocompounds called 2-hydroxyflavonones, which have been shown in studies to prevent spread of breast cancer cells by down-regulating estrogen receptors. So we can see just by eating one whole citrus fruit daily, um, so this could be tangerine, pomelos, grapefruits, lemons, limes, uh, kumquats are some of my favorites. Mm -hmm. I love those with the, the really sour um, exterior, and you're getting all those bioflavonoids because you're eating the rind. Um, you know, reasonable intake of citrus can have an impact on that estrogen metabolism. And that kind of goes into this idea of nature's doctrine of signature. When you take a cross section of citrus, it looks like mammary. Yeah. Mammary yeah, glands. Yeah. Is that it the does. Yeah. Yep. That's the right um, word. Mammary, it felt weird to say, but <laughs> yeah, where you can almost see like that nipple in the center or absence of, you know, and then all of the different segments of the citrus. And so there is that interesting connection of it also being supportive for breast cancer. But by down-regulating the estrogen receptor function, we're getting more availability of progesterone expression. And then citrus also is a great source of inositol. And inositol is a cousin to the B vitamin family, where myo-inositol has beautiful influence on PCOS and also on hormone regulation in the body. And relax and regulate would be my go-to supplement here. It has that magnesium bisglycinate, which crosses the blood-brain barrier, stops the stimulation of cortisol, tells the body it's safe, and then it provides that myo-inositol, which helps with the intracellular signaling and hormone regulation. Yep. And that's safe for all ends of the spectrum of hormone imbalance. So that's probably along with the adaptogen boost, like one of the first go-tos and vitamin D. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if you're getting, again, that better restful sleep, you're going to feel more rejuvenated, which is going to make you feel more full of life and likely more apt to doing the deed. Sure. Um, and then what about other specific nutrients of focus? So arginine is a big one, and this connects to that idea of nitric oxide, Becky. So you mentioned the nitric oxide movements, which are like HIT training movements, which uh, you know aid in vasodilation um, and really circulating and reoxygenating the blood. Well, arginine, L-arginine, arginine is an amino acid, and there has been a lot of research in its function as a vasodilator and supporter for nitric oxide. In fact, as someone with Raynaud's syndrome, um, when I was really flaring in Seattle, I would take L-arginine as a supplement for that because it really helped with my nervous system and also with the um, vasoconstriction issues. Like I would get completely non-pigmented finger or um, really severe kind of uh, marbling in my appendages. And so arginine does create nitric oxide, which basically widens and relaxes our arteries and blood vessels. This improves blood flow and that can help with healing injuries. It can help with kidney function. It can boost immune system function. But through that flow, we can also see erectile dysfunction being influenced favorably through arginine. 
And so origin food sources, we'd be looking at things like nuts and seeds, um, pork, turkey, I'm thinking like pork tenderloin, maybe going on to a Valentine's Day menu could be really nice. Um, And then our grass-fed whey would also be a great place to get some arginine in as well. Absolutely. And then I would say the other nutrient of focus, so we had vitamin D, arginine, zinc would be another one that I would go for here. So zinc has the ability to aid in aromatization um, by actually inhibiting that enzyme pathway. And so it, well, so it doesn't aid in it, it reduces aromatization. It's an aromatase inhibitor. And aromatization will drive the conversion of testosterone into estrogen. So optimizing zinc can optimize testosterone levels while reducing excess estrogen expression. And I think of red meat as the best form of zinc, as well as oysters, another good aphrodisiac, and even pepitas or um, pumpkin seeds as a great way to support that sex hormone balance. All right. So before we spice things up and talk more on the uh, angle of aphrodisiac foods and action steps to get in the mood, let's just have a quick word from our sponsor, NutriSense. Yes, so NutriSense provides a continuous glucose monitor that will give you real-time glucose data or blood sugar data for 14-day window or two-week window. This company provides you an easy-to-use app that will help you to combine and visualize your glucose data with all of your daily activities. So this includes sleep, stress, exercise, food, and even supplementation. And NutriSense team has personalized recommendations and an on-call support to help you to troubleshoot your results and really improve your health. I learned about the impact of my blood sugar metabolism in episode 209 of the Naturally Nourished podcast. Um, It's uh, called something like Allie using a CGM or My Week using a CGM. And my biggest aha was the influence of stress. So NutriSense completely takes out the guesswork from the equation since you get to see personalized, true, real-time responses to food, stress, exercise and sleep instead of a generic one size fits all. And what I find really cool with my clients is they're able to see the value of their interventions. So we can actually make adjustments or changes like adding in the calming clear in the evening and seeing how that phosphatidylserine reduces their fasting glucose levels in the morning. So, you know, that phosphatidylserine blocks cortisol excess so they get less of that dawn phenomenon and that helps them to see, okay, this is what happens when I use this and if I miss this, this is what happens as well. Sure. So definitely go on over to NutriSense.io and use the code AllieRD at checkout. You will get a discount on your monthly subscription when you use the code AllieRD and make sure you let them know that you learned about them through the Naturally Nourished podcast. Such a cool way to just get direct feedback from your body of food choices, supplements, and so much more. Yeah, I feel like we're going to have Becky. I feel like you should wait, Becky, until Noah starts eating solids. Okay. Because I feel like that's such another recalibration window uh-huh. for you. And, you know, no. you're ready at four <laughs> months plus. Right, right. So I feel like springtime will be really good to, to see how all the things are happening. Yeah, I don't know. I've got my meter sitting on my desk. We're just talking about best time to use it. So we'll Who knows? see. <laughs> all right. So we can break aphrodisiac foods down um, into 
kind of different categories based on shape, tradition, or science. So shape might be the most obvious one. Yeah, that's the banana in the pocket. (laughs) (laughs) So that ties back into that uh, archaic principle of this doctrine of signatures, right? So like creates like, like I connected the citrus to breast health. So if we're thinking of like a phallic food, right, for a male (laughs) aphrodisiac, if you will, in shape, we would think of banana or asparagus or I know people on Instagram like to use the eggplant. Uh Sure. (laughs) Those are the shape ones. And uh, then we could think in the female anatomy we think of things that have like often many seeds or because again, we're thinking of like ovarian um, cells. So we're thinking of, or the ovaries with many eggs in them, excuse me. So we think of like a fig or pomegranate um, or even strawberries or berries um, being in that world. It's so fun. <laughs> yes. um, we blushed then, a lot doing yeah. that YouTube video. Oh, totally. <laughs> um, and then myth and tradition would be a second way to categorize them. Yeah, so there is myth of the idea of honeymoon actually coming from the idea of giving meal. Or meal. I can never say that word. Meal. M-E-I-L or I-E-L honey wine um, to newlyweds to keep their marriage sweet um, or the influence of honey. And, you know, sugar was always such a currency. So that was like a very rich good to share with newlyweds. And in uh, Aztecs, uh, they would call avocado trees testicle trees because they grow in bunches of two. But then there was also that kind of myth tradition that the men would eat those predominantly for fertility. But interesting enough with the shape, also I've heard I've heard avocados go both way because I've also heard of avocado being like the womb sure. and the pit being like, you know, a pregnant baby in, in the uterus, if you will. And so I think it could probably have a double dip. And avocados do provide a lot of nutrient density. So this takes us kind of to the third area of science. Um, of course, we don't just jump onto a trend like this and, and uh, think something has an influence without seeing a mechanism of action. So when we look at something like an avocado, for instance, avocados are going to be really rich in folate. Um, We know folate plays such a role in the B vitamin family with fertility in both males and females. We know avocado is a great source of fiber, which can aid in detoxing excess estrogen. We know avocados also are a great source of glutathione, which support Um, really down to the level of our DNA, reducing excessive oxidative stress. And we've seen optimized glutathione aiding in fertility as well, both sperm health as well as egg health, and um, really the robust nature or the viability of eggs in women. So there can be some science that pairs in um, with some of these myths, traditions, and and shape ideas. Totally. Um, So yeah, nutrient-based, let's think of a few more maybe that we haven't covered. So we've covered avocado. Yeah. So, you know, other things that we would look at, like, so in the nutrient or science world, this is where I'd pull in like those tropical fruits, like we mentioned for testosterone, you know, so getting that bromelain, which is also seen in our inflammasome. And so getting bromelain in not only helps with healthy tissue function, but it also aids in supporting healthy testosterone levels. So that could help in two part, both with reducing inflammation, aiding in tissue recovery or function, but also supporting that testosterone mechanism. We think of nutrients in the science world, like we kind of mentioned already with the arginine for vasodilation. Um, We can even think of things like vitamin E, which was also in the avocado, but nuts and seeds. Um, E would be really helpful 
helpful for supple skin. We can think of omega-3 fatty acids as support for libido because they reduce inflammation and also aid in good circulation. And then we could even think of things that support on a neurotransmitter level. So one big one that we think of is chocolate in this world. You know, chocolate is not only the universal symbol of love as far as like a box of chocolates for Valentine's Day, but cacao, you know, in its raw form actually has been shown in clinical research to increase serotonin and dopamine. Remember that stress reduces those two compounds. So getting a boost of serotonin and dopamine is really beneficial for healthy libido. And also cacao can actually drive uh, the flow of potent antioxidants in the body and stimulant effects. So there's actually this like euphoria stimulating impact from chocolate. And this is because of the chemical phenylethylalanine. And phenylethylalanine can actually be like a euphoria high that you can get from that raw cacao. So there can be mechanisms on neurotransmitter, there can be mechanisms on a nutrient, um, as well as structural functional, like impacting metabolism of a hormone. And all of those can be very science said influences of aphrodisiacs. And then speaking of cacao, I always say that's like maca's best friend and personally like one of the only ways you're going to get maca into me. Um, let's talk about the um, maca cacao avocado mousse that we made. Since we've already hit on avocado yeah. and yes. <laughs> so yeah, it uh, we'll put the link to the video in today's episode. It starts with ripe avocados that you have in pit. And so again, the avocados, I already kind of highlighted most of their nutrients. Uh, and again, the last things I noted was the vitamin E, but also even vitamin A in the avocado to support that uh, healthy, supple skin. Maca is a adaptogen, as I mentioned earlier. We linked the maca caramels, but in that pituitary function, it, we do see production of oxytocin and progesterone, and we also see support for fertility. So we add in to the avocados um, maca, two teaspoons of gelatinized maca powder, and four tablespoons of raw cacao to get all the goodness I just mentioned there, and then four to five dates. And dates, Becky talked about in her, I believe, either third trimester or her delivery episode with Noah, because dates actually support oxytocin, which is, you know, we think of synthetic pitocin to aid in um, supporting what's the word I'm looking for, Becky? I want to say having the baby. Uh, induction. Induction. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Supporting contractions and yep, labor, yep, right? Yep. And so uh, getting oxytocin in food forms can aid with that element of end stage, you know, um, pregnancy and, and helping with uterine tone, but also supporting a healthy delivery. But oxytocin, remember, is also that bliss connection hormone, which can also aid with that sensuality and trust and sexual function. And then dates also provide us manganese and electrolytes. So we use four to five dates in here. Um, we use this in a food processor with the S-Blade. So it blends up that creamy avocado, a little bit of natural sweetness with the dates, the cacao, the maca. We add vanilla bean or vanilla extract, cayenne, and spicy foods generally also add in that vasodilation and blood flow. Um, so that can actually spice things up on the tongue, but also can support sexual function. And then we throw in a pinch of cinnamon. So it kind of mimics like a 
Mexican hot chocolate flavor profile. And this is really fun. You can use some coconut milk to thin it if you want to, and um, a nice pinch of sea salt. And then you could top it with like goji berries, or I like to dip strawberries in it. And as we said, I think laughing really hard, like spreadable edible. And then Becky made the point, well, don't spread it anywhere in your body. <laughs> right. With the, just watch the cayenne. I mean, it didn't feel super hot like when we made it. No, and even Stella time. ate the recipe yeah. Yeah. and it wasn't too much of a kick. So you could add more cayenne if you want. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a really fun recipe that you can dip fruit into. You can feed to your loved one and it can be a nice interactive, if you will, uh, recipe. I want to talk to you, Becky, about maybe a sexy menu or um, back in whatever that was episode way back in the 70s, we did talk about a menu and some ideas. We had like the pumpkin pesto, pumpkin seed pesto in there and the burrata. Uh-huh. But this year, do you have any inspiration or ideas? Oh, we also did the seared steak with the poached cherry sauce, yeah. which I love. And I find so that good. to be really luscious and it's romantic. So um, this year, I'm thinking of doing, as a little starter, champagne with uh, either a pork rind or a cucumber slice with creme fraiche and caviar on top. Um, so I'm not sure exactly what I'll grab as far as the type of caviar, but just having, like again, the nice like salty, briny eggs that pop with your tongue. Mm-hmm. It's very sensual fun flavor to get a crunch from either the pork rind or the cucumber and um, then having like you know the acid with the champagne to kind of break up that flavor profile and just bubbly and fun and and totally different and feeling indulgent Um, and I'm thinking of doing a risotto like a real deal risotto yes I could do a cauliflower based risotto but let's be honest like the arborio rice real deal risotto rice with chicken bone broth I'm going to use. And what I like about risotto is it's very sensual in the sense that it can take hours to make. Mm -hmm. You know, you slowly add like an eighth to max a quarter cup of cooking liquid through the process. And it's a lot of stirring. It's very zen and and intentional. And I plan to do like some wild forged mushrooms and some truffle in that. And ideally, if I can get my hands on it, I would love to like shave or microplane some fresh truffle on the serving. So I'll probably do, Becky's into it. I'm She's super like, into oh, it. Yeah. I'm like, I have some in my fridge She's actually. Like, more for and, and I have some salmon caviar. So um, I can either ration that off or we can just come over for Valentine's Day. Let's be <laughs> but real. But you know, like a half cup yep. of that, I will oh, still yeah. well be in a light state of ketosis or I might plan that to be a carb cycle if I want to do something a little bit more indulgent as the evening dessert. I was thinking if I do a dessert, I'm going to go way back, Becky, to that dark, decadent chocolate cake with like the framboise. Oh, yeah. The raspberry liqueur in it and uh-huh. like the chocolate ganache topping. That's a recipe on our blog, so I'll link that. How about any other inspiration you got there? Well, protein-wise, I always like like a red meat, like you said, so either the cherry steak or maybe doing like um, maybe a pork, I guess not red meat, red meat, but like a pork tenderloin is kind of a you know, easy protein, um, but with a fun get that topping of, of sauce. I actually think the cherries would pair really well on that as well. Or maybe our um, lamb lollipops that we have on the blog. Mm. Um, that would be a really fun one, either for a starter or for the main protein, just doing like a heftier portion of those. Yeah. And honestly, I'm kind of feeling like if I do that risotto, I might do something kind of set it and forget it, like a fun take on a pot roast. Um, Cause like shredded meat can be kind of sexy and um, 
I don't know. We do steaks like once a week in our mm-hmm. house. So just for something different, I'm thinking maybe I'll do like short ribs, for instance, and pan sear those, do a really fun spice rub, and then finish those off in the slow cooker or braise them down and get like a shredded meat play with the risotto because I think that would kind of um, do really well together. I typically do asparagus um, <laughs> on a Valentine's Day time, and that's a pretty common one. I might do broccolini, so like a roasted green vegetable and then I will likely do a salad. And I think we should link that kale, radish. It's like the watermelon radish yeah. and the pomegranate yeah. seeds. So it's like an, I think it, we did that in our aphrodisiac cooking class. And a really nice, fun, bright vinaigrette in there to kind of offset everything. I'll link all of those recipes. They all sound so, so good. Yes. And, and so much better than going out to dinner on Valentine's Day, which is never pleasant, honestly. No. <laughs> no. And then uh, last thing I want to close off on lifestyle. So we talked food as medicine. We've talked aphrodisiacs. We've talked about getting in the mood. I want to just talk about some maybe homework for you or some other things to consider. So I think that there's so many different fun um, interactive question games that are out there now that you might find one that works best for you and your partner, you know, based on your preferences of how far and comfortable you are with going, you know, maybe (laughs) pre-read or, you know, plan that out to maybe be a fun activity. Maybe you write questions on pieces of paper and put them in like a ball jar and pull them in the evening or something like that. But anything from like asking preferences of like just intimacy like how much kissing do you like do you like kissing while making love or just as a foreplay thing because there's some people like I'm I don't know I'm personally not someone that's really I like like some good kissing but like then I'm kind of like okay (laughs) I don't know you know and some people really really like it who knows um you know how often would you like to have sex do you um would you like me to initiate sex Um, what gestures touch or foreplay feel good? What's off limits or what are we open to explore? Um, what can we do to keep the sexual energy alive? And so, you know, having some of these, I think, questions to keep revisiting, especially when you're in a marriage, you know, you don't want things to get too monotonous and you want to maintain active, both engaged players in something that's so intimate and important to a successful marriage and um, really maintaining that that intimacy, what sets your relationship apart from the relationship of other people in your life. Um, and so I just think keeping conversation on the table is important. And if doing so with an activity, you know, I think that that could be a really good way to just kind of keep things mixed up. Totally makes it less awkward. And even if you've been with someone for a really long time and you've never talked about this stuff, it can be really weird to bring up. So like letting your partner write half of the questions and oh God knows what I would get if um, I might do this. I know, right? (laughs) Um, And I've seen some fun like games, like table topic for couples, Mm -hmm. um, advertised to me recently but i'm sure i'm sure you could um but it it can really be a way to like break the ice and and you know talk about something that has been you know unsaid for a long time yeah and i mean when we talk about tips to get in the mood i think one of the most important ones is to just do it (laughs) you know everything gets better with practice and it's kind of one of those like put yourself out there, fake it till you make it. Most people that I talk to that, especially females, I will say most females that have issues with libido will say, Oh, well, like, cause I always have to inquire like, okay, is it, are you having issues with sexual performance? Like lubrication? Is it painful? Is it? And a lot of them are like, Oh no, like once I'm doing it, I'm actually able to climax. Mm -hmm. Um, or, you know, I occasionally I climax or either way though, it's not painful and whatnot. Um, and so it's like, okay, 
and, and most of them actually enjoy themselves once they're in the practice of it. And so it's kind of one of those things of deciding with your partner the frequency that feels right to you. And again, kind of recalibrating the ebbs and flows of what might throw you out. Like we're in a fun dance of our four and a half year old wanting to every night at 1 a.m. It's it's a witching hour from 11 p.m. to 1.30 a.m. that she wants to come downstairs into our bedroom. So like we know if we're working on our laptops, like we need to take a mid laptop break and have sex and then we can keep working into the night when she comes downstairs or, you know, it's like that threshold is going to close at 1030. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not yep. going to have it past that. <laughs> so we get Stella down and we have that window or, and so, you know, sometimes we have to come up with like little rules of like, okay, um, after I get Stella down, I'm going to come downstairs, have some music on. And, you know, you could say whatever cute, you could also say we're having sex tonight, <laughs> or you could say, you know, X, Y, Z. But I think committing to a frequency, mm-hmm. um, kind of like getting into the, the function and flow of it is really important for a healthy sexual relationship. And then playing with the fun stuff of like sense and sound. So um, I've already asked Brady to make a playlist um, that we will do in next week's newsletter. So make sure you subscribe to the Naturally Nourished newsletter. Um, You can do so on AllieMillerRD.com. And we will, in our Valentine's recipe wrap-up, which you also are going to want to get in that email blast, we will also be sharing one of his Spotify playlists and it'll be more broad than let's get it on. I was going to say, is that, is that going to be on there? Um, I don't know. But <laughs> Probably not. I was thinking like so, Karung Band yeah. and like, yeah, it'll be good. It'll be great. Um, and then scents, like I'm really into like grounding smells. Like um, Brady tried to get me some like way back early in our relationship, some like geranium rose thing. And I was like, no, no. Like I'm more of like a sandalwood, mm-hmm. patchouli, earthy, lavender I'm cool with. But all those are, are really good scents that feel good to me and, and um, have that sensuality. Um, body oil and massage can be so fun. And I will put a link to the Fordia product, which is all their CBD. Um, oh, yeah. This be, I just got some of those, actually. I haven't cracked them open so yet. So CBD suppositories, <laughs> and they have CBD tinctures and CBD rubs. Um, and a lot of those are edible as well, which is fun. Um, so, you know, working massage or maybe taking like an online class of massage techniques that you can try out on your partner would be cool. Um, and then, uh, of course, optimizing and checking your vitamin D status would be within your, your homework and then regulating and checking in on your stress response. So again, rewriting the mental strip script, taking that GABA calm in the times when you need that valve release and really using those adaptogens to aid in that stress resilience. So Hopefully today's episode was helpful for you all to give you some fun ideas for next week's holiday. And if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure that you go on over to wherever you're listening to the podcast and leave us a five-star review and a sentence or two of why you like what we're doing. It means the world to us to know that you're listening and taking your time and energy to let us share our passion. And for that, we are oh so grateful. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.